I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how are you doing today? Doing great. We're spending time together. We're at home in the studio, hanging out. And I love this outlet in our lives. It's yes. a blessing to me. And so what about you, babe? How are you doing? Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. See, I, I'm so excited. I'm excited and eager. Look how I try to combine those excited. two words. I like it. <laughs> but we are just so thrilled to have some crazy listeners coming across all different platforms and all different locations throughout the world and the globe. So we have some listeners from Australia, some from Sweden. I don't remember the whole list. It was just bizarre to see how they've got this podcast in their hands. But Josiah, for the listener who's maybe tuning in for the very first time, how can they get more involved and what can they expect each and every Monday? For sure. We just want to say thanks. It's a joy to come into your workouts, your drives, your commutes, your headphones, your office, wherever you're hanging. I'm glad to be with you. New episodes drop every Monday morning over a hundred on episode count now so it's been fun for us and pray it's life-giving to you as well and we just want to say thanks for subscribing rating reviewing sharing this content and we're joined by a new friend special guest today and who is that special guest josiah we'll introduce him um, with a full bio in just a second but pastor justin kendrick how are you i am great thanks for having me you bet. Thanks for saying yes. Justin, by the way, is the lead pastor of Vox Church, a multi-site church in New Haven, Connecticut, and is the author of the brand new forthcoming book about to launch, Bury Your Ordinary, a book on practical habits of a heart that's fully alive. And who doesn't want that? No doubt. You know what I'm saying? He spent um, just a whole life his life work is studying discipleship and living out discipleship. So we'll talk really, if you're a leader who's wanting to grow as a disciple of Jesus and become more effective in your disciple discipleship efforts, living out the great commission, this episode's for you. So we're going to dive right in. And as we do, Pastor Justin, can you just share some of your journey with us and you're in the form of a story today? Yeah, Micah and Josiah, thanks for having me on this podcast. What an honor. So excited yes. about what you guys are doing and uh, all the leaders, the young adults that are being impacted uh, as a pastor of a church. Thank you guys. Thanks for doing what you do. It's awesome. Um, you know, for me, I think this idea of discipleship, I don't know what your guys' journey has been like in church necessarily, but I know for me, this idea of discipleship has been a little ambiguous for a long time. In other words, you go to church and you find an older guy or an older gal and you say, Hey, I want to grow in Jesus. Will you disciple me? You know, because Jesus said in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples. And if you're a Christian, you, you know, you want to say, yes, yeah, I'll help you. I'll disciple you. And so I feel like a lot of people start with a, you know, a big expectation. We're going to grow in our faith. And, and they say, well, why don't we meet for lunch? And, and they, you know, maybe you've done this. I've done this a million times. You sit with somebody, you meet for lunch, and maybe you're the one trying to learn, or maybe you're the one that's trying to teach, but either way, it feels like those dynamic relationships run out of gas pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, right away they get down to like, well, do you read the Bible? Uh, yeah. Do you pray? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have like a major problem in your life? Yeah. Can we talk about it? Sure. And it becomes like a mini counseling session and maybe for the first three months or six months, it's helpful. Uh, but oftentimes within a year or two years or even less, 
those relationships kind of lose their focus because people don't have a plan to grow in their faith and to help others grow. And so um, just in my own journey of following Jesus, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, um, I, I started seeing this gap in Christian circles that I was in and asking the question, God, what would it look like to create a cadence or an intentional process for myself and then for my friends and then for more people to start walking through to actually intentionally see growth? And you know, for me, what I really came to was that uh, Christian maturity is a little bit slippery. In other words, it's like you can know a lot of Bible verses, but not be very mature, right? Like we all know people yeah. who like, hey, they have a million Bible verses and they're right on their, you know, the tip of their tongue, but you wouldn't call them spiritually mature. You can go to church all the time, but not be spiritually mature. You can be a Christian for 50 years, but not be spiritually mature. And so I love what Jonathan Edwards said. He said that really spiritual maturity is the outworking of agape love in our lives, right? And so when I grow in love for others and for God, I actually am more mature. And so the question then becomes, well, how do I grow in love? And that's what this book is about, that there are particular habits that help our hearts grow in love. And as we learn to grow in love, we become mature. And that's the process of discipleship. That is so good. I even have it written down here that you like to help push people outside of their comfort zone and lead them to that intentionality, that spiritual growth, yeah. that spiritual maturity. And looking at the next generation and statistics have shown the last couple of years that the next generation coming up is 4% biblically literate. And 4%, there you go. that is a scary statistic and, and a big responsibility for us as believers, uh, whether we're millennials or, you know, we're Gen Z or wherever we're at in the you know, the birth birthing process of the timeline of whatever, whatever they're going to name the next generations, you know, right, right. Um, but I have a question for you, Pastor Justin, what are you seeing primarily among the next generation of 18 to 30 year olds when it comes to their faith in Jesus? Um, and especially in one of the least yeah. church parts of the country. Like some would say postmodern, some would say post-Christian. Totally. What are you seeing as kind of the, maybe the undercurrent or the things that we we need to be aware of? Totally. Yeah. We're in the spiritually thriving Northeast, right? And so uh, the Northeast section of the United States, I'm just kidding, is not necessarily known as like right. this right. vibrant place, right? Totally. Uh, we are the home of uh a bunch of Ivy League schools and education is uh, deified above all else. And um, and so, yeah, New England's a fun place to live in that people are really hungry for God and biblical literacy is at an all-time, all-time low in the Northeast. And so um, when we talk to people about Jesus and the Bible, uh, I've got a small group that I lead at my house. And uh, just last month, we, we read the book of Acts together. And it was the first time the people in that group had ever read the book of Acts. And so it was awesome because it was like, you know, what is going on? Like all the stories were new, all the stuff was new. And so um, I think that one thing that I'm really seeing consistently is that this younger generation, uh, as, as young men and women step into leadership and can be begin to grow, uh, like my, I'm 38, my, my generation. And I think millennials were a little bit more open to risk and a little bit, um, more open to, you know, kind of ambiguity, but this younger generation actually wants some stability, um, actually wants mm -hmm. to like have consistency in their life. 
And that's awesome because when you begin to teach them the power of the Bible, you realize that it produces a stability in your life that your family can't provide, that economics can't provide, that society can't provide. And so I've seen a lot of young people really attracted to the stability and the power of the truth in scripture. And so, um, you know, when we talk about this book and these habits, uh, the first habit I talk about is this discipline of spending time with God, which has a lot of elements to it. And most Christians are familiar with the idea of spending time with God, but just getting into the Bible on a daily basis, as simple as that sounds is something that most Christians don't actually really do. And if we do it, it's like five minutes or 10 minutes, but really uh, studying and learning the Bible is, um, is actually something that I think this younger generation is hungry to do in a deeper way. So excited to hear this pastor, Justin, and and to dive in deeper too, into some of the habits that you're talking about. And I just want to share a quick story. My two best friends and I, we were all on staff at the same church at the same time, starting out in ministry under a really great leader. And, um, we actually went a month ago to visit him in Arizona and to just have some guy time together. He's since retired and, um, we're on the drive from the airport Hmm. to go. Um, my best friend, Mike and Mac, he was traveling and speaking We Brent and I, we came along on the trip. And what happened is we just had a conversation and they were asking, the guys were asking like, where do we see discipleship happening really well? Hmm. Because you see a lot of attractional models, and, and I think that's amazing. You see some great things happening in terms of evangelism right. and some social justice efforts, but they were just asking, like, hey, what are you guys seeing maybe in your travels or mm-hmm. who's really um, diving deep in discipleship and, and finding ways that are effective? And yeah. so I think that is a recent, fresh conversation that yeah. there's a lot of people asking similar questions when it comes to right. discipleship. But yeah. let me ask you this, Pastor Justin, as far as like a motivation and as a why, like things like young adult ministry, efforts like campus ministry, maybe a Chi Alpha, InterVarsity yep. crew, efforts to disciple the next generation. Why are those efforts so vital and important in the first place? Yeah, I think that... Um... I think that without a potential plan or like a specific plan, uh, what ends up happening is, you know, uh, Christians gather, they experience the love of God, they go through a trial, their faith is shaken. And rather than kind of climbing up the mountain, we sort of just circle around the mountain. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of Christians that, you know, maybe it's been two years or five years or 10 years or 30 years they can't really see how they've grown in their faith. And, and this is the antithesis of God's purpose for your life. God's purpose for your life is to always take you to the next level, to grow you. Right. You know, we're called to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so if that's the call of God for your life, if you don't have a plan for spiritual growth, then you're not fulfilling your God-given call. And honestly, that's why I wrote this book, because person after person after person that I talked to, they had a love for God. They wanted to know God. They had a desire for Christ, but they just had no plan, no intentional plan. And so, yeah, I mean, church attendance, awesome. Participation, awesome. Serving on a team, awesome. Leading worship, great. Those are not plans for spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Those are great things and ministries that we can do, and God will use them to grow. 
but that's different than a plan for spiritual growth. And so it's funny because I think we have, you know, we have plans for like physical health. People are passionate about that. We have plans for diet. People are passionate about that. But when you ask 90% of Christians, what is your plan to grow? The answer is sketchy at best. I mean, it's like, well, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to meet with other Christian friends. Okay. Those are good things. Do you have a plan? Well, kind of, I mean, it's like they're making it up as you talk to them. And I just don't think that's the way it should be. And so um, this book, it's not the plan. It's a plan. It's a plan to say, Hey, listen, get started here mm-hmm. and, uh, and then grow from there. You know, I've heard it said, uh, this is just what you just said. Reminds me of this. Like sometimes somebody will say that they worked 30 years at the same company and it could be one of two camps. One is the person who did grow and develop every single year mm-hmm. and they, you know, advanced and they had career goals and they had a plan and they really achieved some great mm-hmm. things for the, the, the common goal or the mm-hmm. common good of the organization, its mission. And then there's the other people who have the same year mm-hmm. of experience 30 times. That's right. And there you so go. What, what it just reminds me of is like, we end up probably either by accident um, we, 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 versus on purpose. So I, right. you're just the desire in your heart to help the young Christian take the next 30 years of their life and end up somewhere intentionally on purpose wow. with a mission. Yeah. So, well, I think you just alluded to a great illustration. And I think I've probably been there in multiple times in my life, circling a mountain versus climbing it. That's and it. I think that is just a great visual, I think for myself, and we're all visual people, I would have to say. So for the listener, I'm just really recognizing you as the leader, are you circling or are you climbing? And mm-hmm. if you're doing either, do you have a, like, are people following you? Do you have a vision or are the people perishing and you're on this backpacking trek alone, you know, totally. and to really recognize like, okay, God, you've called me to do this, but have I been teaming up with you in the process and disciplining my heart and dying to self and allowing the spirit to lead me versus my fleshly desires to lead me. And it kind of just to go off what Josiah just said, I think of Pastor Jerry Strandquist once again. And I think yeah. he said this when we went to visit him in Arizona before we had kids. And he said, I am not going to live the same day twice. Mm, that's good. And I think that is a secret hidden desire, I think, for the, the millennials, Gen Z and the upcoming generation of, I don't want to live the same day twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right. but I don't know how to serve God in the process. I don't know how right. to be like Jesus. I don't know what the Bible says. And that's why what we're talking about, Pastor Justin, is exactly what you're writing about. All these layers are vital and crucial and totally. they're cornerstones, they're stepping stones for you to build God's kingdom and not your own in the process and take people there with you. That's, that's the ultimate goal is to yeah, make so God good. known and get to heaven and say, what a party. Like these are all the people that I was able to witness to. And they said, yes, not because of me, because I was willing and open and honest and pointed them to Christ. And I just got to be a part of a glimpse and a part of their little story. And just like with young adults, I know that we have, we come across so many young adults and even some pastors and ministry leaders that they're being asked this question. They're saying, yeah, we come to church on a Sunday, but Mm. there may not be young adult ministry. There may not be something for me to get plugged into what's next. And they're asking this question, what does it truly mean to be a Christ follower outside of a Sunday where I put on my very best, put on a smile, pretend, fake it till I make it. Does anybody else have these same problems, but nobody's willing to ask. I would just ask and kind of go off this, 
the question they're asking is this, how, how do, do I truly be a Christ follower? But even taking it one step deeper, they're desiring mentorship, discipleship, yeah, right. people to ask them the hard probing, challenging, heartfelt questions that nobody else seems to have the, the guts or the um, gumption to do. Like for me, I'm like, I'm not going to sit down with a girl knowing that she's in an ungodly relationship and say, oh, well, you know, if it's God's will, you'll stay together. No, I will challenge her with this question. Don't answer it, young lady, but here's something to think about. Is the man that you're dating, if he's claiming to be a Christ follower, is he leading you to the foot of the bed or is he leading you to the foot of the cross? There you go. And the only thing that has to, they just have to blink. And I know the answer. Like, I don't need to know the answer, but just really asking those probing questions. And I would say when God's asked us to be the discipler and to ask the probing, challenging questions in a good and godly way, I mean, non-threatening, but point them to Christ through it all. How do we navigate that water to disciple in 2021 Mm -hmm. as a 20 something that's what I think a lot of young adults are asking without knowing how to even phrase that question. Yeah. What would you say about that? Or how can you speak into that? Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, <laughs> I, uh, I wrote this book without the passion of a side hustle, to be totally honest. So like, I love my church. I'm called to my church and uh, we're called to plant churches all over new England. We're going to be doing that for the rest of our lives. So, you know, to be like a Christian author was really not my vision. Um, so I say this with the, the most humility that I possibly can. Uh, they should get the book. <laughs> that's, that's my answer. Simply because, listen, like, you know, for 20 years, I've been asking this question, you know, what does it really mean to be a disciple and to make disciples? And there's, I don't know if there's a crystallized perfect answer. I think mm-hmm. that Jesus made it messy on purpose. Um, but uh, there is answers. There are answers, you know? And so this book is the collection of the process of spiritual growth that when done intentionally, you see incredible results. I mean, the whole idea behind this book is like, I, I, I waited 20 years before I wrote it because I functionally said 20 years ago, I'm going to go do this and see what happens. And through it all, practicing it, tweaking it, tinkering with it, starting with my three college roommates, then moving to nine guys in a two bedroom apartment. Then my wife and I starting a little community with about 15 of us. Then that little two house community becoming 12 houses, all living in four blocks in a city. And then those little 12 houses launching churches all across New England and seeing hundreds of people grow in this process of discipleship. And so for us, it went from theory to reality. And we realized, wow, when you're intentional and when you're consistent, Mm -hmm. the results are uh, multiplicative. They multiply, they really expand. And so, um, you know, my, my encouragement would be if you're wandering, just listen, just get the book, you know, get the book. We're going to leverage all the resources for the purpose of Jesus anyways. And so, you know, um, that's, that's, that's one way, you know, that you can take a next step. And I'm not trying to handle that sounds like lame for me to even say that, but like my, my heart really is pure. Like I put what I know about discipleship in this book and it's changed my life. You know, it really has. I love it. Uh, Pastor Justin, Mike is like nudging me here a little bit because one of, and I'll go full circle and it'll only take a minute. Um, one of my favorite podcasts to just like binge listen to and, and just learn honestly is revisionist history from Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, it's great. And it's the, oh, it's cool that you, maybe you've heard yeah. this episode, but I've heard uh, a bunch of it. He, he did an episode. He's a Canadian and, um, 
So he's passionate about Leonard Cohen, who wrote the song Hallelujah. Yeah. And he he tells a story of the first person to kind of champion this this song was actually Bob Dylan wanted to meet with Leonard in this cafe in France. (laughs) And Bob goes, hey, how long did it take you to to write that song? I really like it. Which, by the way, wasn't popular at that point. It was Mm -hmm. later Jeff Buckley that made it to where everyone has heard it now. But Got it. Bob, Bob goes, Hey Leonard, how, how long did it take you to, to, to write that song? And he just picks a number. He's like, ah, uh, two years. And he was lying. It was more like five. <laughs> wow. And then he picks one of Bob Dylan, who's Minnesotan, by the way. And he goes, how long did it take you to write such and such a song? And Bob goes, uh, 15 minutes. <laughs> and where I'm going with this, the reason Micah nudged me is because I think that what you did, Justin, in the process was so many people want the shortcut to success, the 15 minute abs versus the 15 years of the slow cooking. Yes. (laughs) And and I I think that's the process of discipleship that you modeled, even with waiting to press publish or go on this book, Um, which diving into the book, are you willing to give us a sneak peek glimpse into maybe one of the, I know you write about one foundational habit to start each day with maybe that habit or another habit to to really just um, whet the the appetite Appetite, for the young leader who wants to go deeper as a disciple. Totally. Yeah. So you can look at this two ways, right? First of all, personally. So personally, how am I going to grow in God? But then secondly, maybe you're a pastor or a leader. I know you guys have a lot of leaders that are listening to your podcast. What do I do with a person who says, hey, I want to grow in Jesus. Can we talk? And you go, sure. And you don't know what to do. So my encouragement would be, as you learn these seven habits, you actually just intentionally walk them through these habits. That's what you do. And it never ends. As soon Mm -hmm. as you get to the seventh, you realize you've got to go back to the first. And so it's a constant evolution and growth in your spiritual walk. But to talk about the first habit a little bit, and it's the first habit on purpose. So there's a, there's a reason behind that habit. One, I call the habit of relationship. And when I say it, a lot of times before you read the chapter and kind of dive into it, it sounds so kind of Christian and obvious that you can miss a little bit of the magic. And so habit one is the habit of relationship. It's the habit of spending daily time with God. And most specifically, It's the habit of spending the first hour of your day alone with God. Amazing. Now, there's a couple of things about that that sound kind of basic. First, you know, um, we've all heard of quiet time. Most Christians have heard of like spend a time or devotions or whatever. Read the Bible in a year, all that stuff. That's fine. Those are all good. Um, I think what this does with that is, first of all, it sets a specific time. It's the very first thing you do. So before you exercise, before you go out to work, before you eat breakfast, before you, whatever you're getting alone with God, it's the first thing. And there is a law of the first that whatever you do first has implications for the rest. And so that's the first thing. But the second thing is the amount of time. Uh, The vast majority of followers of Jesus spend 15 minutes or less seeking God in the morning. And, and that's just because, you know, everybody's busy, right? We all got things to do and places to go except that we each find about four hours and 30 minutes a day to watch TV and much more than that to play on our phones and scroll social media. So if you got all this time, but no time for God, then you have a problem in your priorities. Yeah. And so 
spending an hour with God will dramatically mess up your life. It will disrupt your, it'll cause you to get up early. It'll force you to change your routines. It will challenge you when the dog needs to go out or the kids are screaming or whatever. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm up super early to have my hour. I have four kids and a, and a puppy and an amazing wife, but you know, um, before any of that happens, I'm alone with Jesus. And so that hour sets the course of everything for my day. And I know for me as a Christian, when I first started spending time alone with God, my max was about 10 minutes, you know, within 10 minutes, I was like, ah, I'm thinking about something else, you know, like I couldn't focus. So an hour takes a while. So I talk about in the book, how to grow from 15 minutes to 30, from 30 to 45, and then eventually to an hour. And then of course, the next question is what in the world do I do with all that time? Right. And so in the book, I outline some ways that you can approach the Bible and some ways that you can approach prayer that are super practical, that if you just, if you just work it, it will take, it'll take an hour. And they're not the only ways to approach the Bible or prayer, but there are enough tools in your tool belt that you can get started. And then from there, grow in your own way of spending time with God, because everybody is going to have their own nuances uh, to how they interact with God. But, you know, a very simple principle that I've found in my own life and the lives of hundreds of people who I've taught to spend time alone with Jesus is that those who find God find time. In other words, if you really want to know God, it's going to cost you time. Mm -hmm. Like every other relationship in the world, you guys can't have a great marriage if you commit to three minutes a day, right? Like right. you have to spend time. You got to talk. You got to go out. You've got to invest in each other. And so relationship requires time. And so God's the same way. If we want to have a real personal dynamic relationship with him, it starts with a consistent amount of time. So if I'm sitting with a new Christian, you know, and they, I just did this a couple of weeks ago with a guy that I'm walking with now. I led him to Jesus a couple months ago. We sit down. He says, what do I do? What do I do? I bring him a Bible. I bought him a Bible. And I said, Hey, we're going to read this book called the gospel of Mark. Where's that? Well, let's look in the index and find it. And it's an account of the life of Jesus. I want you to read one chapter a day. I walked him through some of the ways that I encourage people to read the Bible. I use the process that I call. So, which is systematic reading, uh, a one topic study, waiting and repeating that's all in the book, but how to process the Bible. And then uh, I just challenged him to do it. And I said, we made a little bet. I said, you know, um, 30 days, do this every day for 30 days. And if you don't, um, you got to do a hundred burpees. And, uh, he agreed he's a real fit guy. So he was like, all right, I agree. And he it's crushed it. He him. didn't miss a single day. And, uh, and just, just a little fun, you know, to keep yep. it fun. And, uh, and he had so many questions. God spoke to him so powerfully, but that was our first meeting, you know? And so I might focus on spending time with God in my discipleship meeting with him for a month, for two months. It depends on how long mm -hmm. it takes him to really get some traction. Once that becomes a part of his life, I then move to habit two. We start talking about the second habit. And so that's how the process evolves with a one-on-one -on -one relationship. Well, what a great start and what a great teaser for us and for the listener to, Definitely. you know, enter that step number two, once we're able to disciple somebody through disciple, you know, discipleship number one, um, or that foundational habit. Um, Justin, I would just be curious about this. How just your thoughts on discipleship and just yeah. maybe your personal experience, not maybe discipling somebody, but being discipled yourself. Yeah. And how do you like, how do you manage that from like your work life? Because you're a lead pastor, like you're studying the word yeah. of God, you're preparing yeah. sermons and messages. 
And how do you study the word of God, not for your congregation or for a message? Because so many, I went to a Christian Catholic Benedictine school for four years. Mm -hmm. And then I also went to North Central University downtown. So two very different worlds, but it would, they, everybody wants to double dip. Well, I did my devotion. My devotion was part of my sermon prep. So I'm here on Sunday. So good. Yep. How have you been able to navigate and pull that tension apart and be disciplined in that? <laughs> For the listener who's maybe guilty of that, I've been there, so don't feel bad. But how can we strip those two things away and just get real and raw with God? Yeah. So it's all about priority. And I think I don't want to be brutal because we've all been there, but I think that the person who pimps out their time with God for the sake of a sermon says to God and shows, I value the accomplishment of a task and the approval of the crowd more than I value relationship with God himself. And I know that sounds harsh, but that's the reality. And so Mm -hmm. I know for me early on, I made a commitment where I said, God, I am not going to prostitute my time with you so that we can be professionally intimate, but for the purpose of mm-hmm. my job, as opposed to the purpose of my soul. And so um, my time with God, honestly, uh, I, I don't really struggle on a regular basis to like prep a sermon during my quiet time. I just don't like, because I drew a hard line and I said, my value is in knowing you not in getting this thing done. And so I'd rather screw up on the thing, but no God than have a killer sermon, but no relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, which one do I value more? Do I value the successful ministry or do I value intimacy with God himself? And so for me, I think intimacy always leads to fruitfulness, right? That's how we have kids, right? And so intimacy leads to fruitfulness. If there's any other way, then it's not real fruit right? You might be good at it. You might be a great communicator, a dynamic speaker, but it's not going to produce real fruit unless it flows from a place of intimacy. So you just can't put the cart before the horse. I would just, I would just come with conviction. You know, I think that Mm -hmm. theology always leads, you know, strong theology always has to inform deep conviction because if I try to have a deep conviction about something, but I don't have a theology for it, I'll end up bailing when it gets hard. But, but my theology tells me, No relationship with Jesus is insurmountably more valuable than doing things for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to prioritize relationship and I'm not going to slip into sermon prep mode, you know? It's great. And, uh, you know, and the truth is, here's the dirty little secret. If you prioritize intimacy with Jesus first, then sermon prep mode is a million times easier, right? Like it's trying Mm -hmm. to like get on the same page with your wife if you're already in lockstep and unity unified in relationship, it's easy because your hearts are already aligned. It's the same with prepping a sermon. If your heart's aligned with God, sermon prep goes a whole lot easier. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I love that you guys both went there because I think that it's such a, an easy um, thing to struggle with mm-hmm. and such an mm-hmm. easy thing to wrestle with is to have maybe competing goals or competing yep. Um, priorities that that vie for our attention that we then need to decide and evaluate and maybe have a moment like today of self-reflection or introspection of what do I value right and where are my priorities are some great questions to to ask and uh, a little bit um, off script we're going to dive into five final questions and this is just for us and for the listener to get to know you pastor Justin a little bit better in kicking things off, 
Do you have any thoughts? We'll ask you five questions, five, five, five minutes. minutes yeah. But um, first one is any thoughts on the importance of Sabbath? Oh yeah, absolutely. So not to, not to cheat ahead, but uh, habit six is the habit of a weekly Sabbath. And so mm-hmm. my short answer is you got to read habit six, but um, I think that that Sabbath is the only one of the 10 commandments that we have somehow edited out of our Christian life, right? Wow. We don't steal, we don't covet, we don't lie, we don't commit murder. And yet honor the Sabbath is like, oh, we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus fulfilled it. It's like, mm, wait a minute, when did he say stop practicing Sabbath, right? And so um, I think Sabbath is not a law. It's a principle that should be practiced by Christians. It's completely countercultural and doesn't fit into the American you know, mentality. But um, I know for me, I ignored the Sabbath for years and I paid for it. And it wasn't until that I humbled myself and submitted to the Sabbath that uh, my whole life actually started to find a cadence that was sustainable. There you go. Finding that cadence. All right. Question number two, if you could describe yourself or maybe your soul in Mm. three words, what would those three words be today? Oh boy. Um, (laughs) Today, that's a good way of saying it today, because I think the words are different. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would say hungry for God. I would, Um, you know, I know for me, uh, I have been like, in my early journey with Jesus, you know, like 19, 20 years old, I was a newer Christian. I read like every book I could find on revival and on like spiritual awakenings. And um, it's just been like this last six months that I'm going back to a bunch of those books. And I actually just bought like 10 new books on spiritual awakenings and revival. And I've just been, I've been devouring them. Um, I'm reading this book right now by uh, Martin Lloyd Jones. It's called revival, pretty creative name, but uh <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's just creating in, in me like this hunger, this real hunger for more of Jesus in my life. So, um, yeah, hungry for God. Those are my three words. That's great. Amen. I think that um, it's a sidebar, but just the whole idea of um, reading old dead guys, so to old speak. Old dead guys. Great. <laughs> you know, the different. I still have something to say. <laughs> seriously. I, I love that. I love the hunger that you demonstrate. Mm-hmm. Pastor Justin, the curveball today is if you could ask Micah and I anything, any mm-hmm. one question, what would you like to know from us or hear about or learn today? Yeah. Um, yeah. Depends on how long you want to answer this. But mm-hmm. I think as we've been talking, um, you know, I think a great question for you guys is uh, what's, what's the dream in your heart? You know, what's the next thing? What's that bigger thing that God's put in you? And again, that's maybe another podcast, but uh, yeah, that, that's what I would, that's my little, uh, you know, what's that thing? Cause you guys clearly God's gifted you, you guys are leaders, you have a vision uh, and God's using it. Uh, what's, what's the next, has he shown you a picture of the future? What's next? You want to go first? Man, it's a deep question because we're asking that right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, we are, <laughs> we're just asking like, Hey, are we had um, my pastor, that I'm referenced pastor Jerry, his wife, Kathy just passed away yesterday. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And mm-hmm. um, we, I was just with her. They're healthy. It was just kind of sad and um, kind of a surprise. And so we're realizing that life is so short. It's too yeah. short to, to work a job that maybe you hate or yeah. to do things that don't matter most. So we're mm-hmm. in a season yeah. of deep reflection and just mm-hmm. truly laying our lives, our dreams and desires before the Lord and asking like, God, 
how can we make the greatest impact for your kingdom, mm-hmm. for your glory Wow! to bring you honor with our short lives that are here on earth. Yeah. And I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what the, but, but here's <laughs> what we are trying to commit to is the next right thing. Um, and with it, like, I know that it all has just really stemmed from some visions from God of reaching the next generation, right. 18 yeah. to 30 yeah. year olds and helping. Yeah. Helping really call young adults to Jesus and mm-hmm. to live their lives for him. Anything oh, else? So good. That you'd share, babe? Well, I think we're just kind of in this new theme right now. We got away to the, a coffee shop last Friday, so almost a week ago. And I felt like God just downloaded three words on my heart, whether it's for the school year or this is the season that Josiah and I are in with ministry and family and it's hold nothing back. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a portion of that is to un- unashamedly, is that a word? <laughs> to live for the Lord and to teach others how to do that as well. Mm-hmm. And to Great. live with the personal convictions of what God has placed on our lives and on our hearts to actively live that out and not let fear dictate that, not let doubt creep in, not let worry um, weed out the things or kill the things that God has placed within us. And my brother-in-law says it perfectly. And I always refer back to this and he describes fear as simply this fear is putting faith in the enemy. Mm. And so we're just kind of evaluating like, where are we holding back? What fears do we not even realize that we have, whether it's a blind spot or something in us or in our future that we don't even want to give the enemy an inch because he's going to take a mile. So what lies are we currently believing? What dreams has God been birthing and what do we need to water in this season? And we had, um, Christy Wright was just on our podcast. So we got a little sneak peek of her book. So we've been reading her book and it's how to pretty much take back your time in Mm -hmm. life and do it without the guilt and the shame and to weed out um, the unnecessary distractions. And I think there are so many distractions pulling at us. So we're kind of just weeding out the garden of just like, what do I love to do? What do I get to do? And kind of like, what's a have to, you know what I mean? And then what has been put Mm -hmm. on our plate? That's like, what are we doing? (laughs) Is that a time waste? Or how do we leverage our time, our energy and efforts for God's kingdom that's going to make the biggest impact? So I think we're really navigating those waters and I mean, nothing's set in stone. We're coming very open-handed and just like, okay, Lord, like we're hungry, we're eager, we're willing to do whatever you want. Um, Here we are, send us. So I think you're kind of in that, like holds nothing back. And I think that's even in the prayer closet with him. Like when he bends down his ear to us, he's like, what do you want from me? Tell me what you want. You're my child. Like, what do you want? And I, so I'm like, do I want it, need it, or got to have it? Like, where am I at when I go to Cold Stone? Like, need it, want it, got to have it. <laughs> so just kind of evaluating those layers, you know, from ministry to personal to individual to future. So so thanks so much for that's asking. Good oh, that's good. That's a great answer. Yeah. And um, you want to do before? You want me to do before? Yeah. Okay. If you would be willing to share one of your epic failures with us today, whether that's from life, marriage, ministry, leadership, uh, would you want to share just a glimpse of one of those that can benefit us, benefit our listeners, that can prevent something that, you know, <laughs> you've oh, learned early on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. So many failures, so little time, right? Um, yeah, so I'll give a quick version of one. Uh, it's a much longer story, but I will, I'll give you the short version. When we launched our church in 2011, um, I had come out of a church that 
uh, I loved, that I was passionate about. And uh, when we launched our church, um, God had put a unique vision in my heart. God does this, right? He, he gives us dreams and visions. And I, I so badly wanted to honor the leadership of the other church. I made a bunch of commitments to that church that really in hindsight were foolish. I should have stepped out in faith and just trusted the Lord. And because of that, it ended up really damaging the relationship with the leaders of that church. And so um, it took us years, honestly, maybe six or seven years to work through. And by the grace of God, uh, those relationships were restored and, and things were, were really made whole. Um, but if I had just been firm, it would have been harder. But if I had just been firm and confident in the call of God mm -hmm. and in the direction of God, you know, um, you know, that movie Moneyball, which I'm not endorsing all things in it. But when, when Brad Pitt says, uh, you know, one of the heads better than two to the chest, you know, sometimes you just have to cut something off. Sometimes you just have to like, you have to step forward one to the head. You just got to kill it. You got to move on. And um, I had been really intentional and diligent about my transition out of that church and the leadership. I wasn't on staff there, but um, just the leadership there. And I felt like I'd done everything I could to really honor them. And it was a good transition, except the commitments that I made that were impossible for me to keep once our church began to grow and expand. And so um, it was my own insecurity, to be honest. It was just me not being confident in God's call. Um, but like hedging and being uncertain. And, and I think, I think so often we miss out on God's best, uh, out of fear, you know, out of fear of letting somebody down or just not trusting the call of God. And so, um, yeah, that was a, a hard lesson learned, but, um, but one that God ended up redeeming because he's kind to his kids. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's one of 10,000 that come to mind. That's so good. Hey, thanks. Thanks so much for going there for just being willing. And I, I trust that it speaks something to us that we can learn from and observe mm -hmm. and apply and same for the listener and pastor Justin, as we kind of close and wrap things up, if you could share one piece of insight, maybe encouragement or advice with young leaders, what would that be today? That's easy. Yeah. And I, I write about it in the second chapter of the book, but, um, my encouragement would be to preach the gospel to yourself every day. My encouragement would be to circle around the good news of God's grace on a daily, hourly, and moment-by-moment -moment basis. The great disease of our hearts is self-justification. We, we fight against the mercy and the kindness of God. Uh, you know, Paul called it the stumbling stone because we trip over God's kindness to us. And we, we always want to perform in order to obtain and and the scandal of the good news of God's grace is that Jesus has perfectly performed on our behalf, and we must receive his grace freely as a gift. It's not our works plus anything. It's mm -hmm. simply grace, the grace of God fully and freely. And I, I know in my own heart, uh, I've fought against that, and that's been the root of every insecurity or broken decision or or broken uh, you know relationship in my life. At the end of the day, it's been rooted in my inability to receive grace. And so, um, you know, the more you can massage the truth of the gospel into your heart, the more you'll know who God is, the more you'll know who you are and the more you'll know who your brother and your sister is. And so, um, it's just so important to get that truth deep inside of you. I used to think that the gospel was something I learned and then I moved on to the other things in Christianity. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that the gospel is, uh, the beginning, the middle and the end of our, of our journey. And it's always, um, the next truth that we need to learn. And so um, I would encourage people to live in the truth of God's grace 
and get it deeper in you um, because it's the answer that you're looking for in a thousand different places. Mm -hmm. So good to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. And um, what a joy that that is and encouragement. So pastor Justin, we just want to say thank you so much. Yeah, My pleasure for your time and for your investment into Micah and I, and into Mm -hmm. this community of young leaders. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. Grateful for what you guys are doing and uh, excited to see it continue to reach people. Amen. Amen. And you can find out more, by the way, about Pastor Justin Kendrick, Vox Church, and brand new book releasing this week, Bury Your Ordinary. So if you want to dive into more about discipleship and those foundational habits, we just encourage you to pick up a copy or two. And until next time, this is Micah and Josiah Keneally signing off. Here we go. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Plug me in. I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.